Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson. No Michael Brunts. No, no. Am I talking loud enough? We're, <laughs> we're around a snowball, and I I generally just don't speak loud enough, do I? I feel like I'm shouting, like I'm uh, yeah. Will Ferrell's character, on, character the, in SNL. The, the audio reading isn't that particularly high either, even if you're shouting. It just, I mean, my, it just feels like I'm busting people's <laughs> eardr- eardrums right now. But. If, if you're noticing some difference in audio quality, we have a little bit different setup uh, today with, with Brunt's gone. So bear with us, but uh, should be fine. We, we have a, a pretty interesting you know, list of things to talk about today with, with Nebraska football picking up a graduate transfer, with Nebraska basketball picking up commitments every four minutes, Nebraska baseball going two and one against Arizona State in their last home series this weekend against Michigan, which will determine their fate in the Big Ten tournament they're in. But what seed will they have, and could they potentially win the league? So we'll hit that late in the podcast. As always, we usually start with football. But first, Brian, what's what's new of you? What's been happening lately? Um, I've been looking at uh, bubble hockey tables, uh, maybe getting one for the basement, but they cost like. 2000 bucks for some of those things. Hey. So I think it's a bit of a midlife crisis I'm going through. You could have a garage <laughs> sale and then use the proceeds to getting a bubble hockey table. <laughs> I'm talking, for those who aren't following, I'm talking like you used to go to Showbiz Pete. It was Showbiz in my day. I'm not, yeah. I don't consider myself a millennial, as you know. Yeah. Um, now we, we've had that discussion. Now it's known as Chuck E. Cheese, but it was Showbiz, and they used to have that hockey game where it was USA versus Russia. Uh, had the little scoreboard under the bubble and everything, and uh, I loved it. And uh, I think I'm going to make it happen now <laughs> that I'm close to 40. At, at, <laughs> at what point in your day were you like, yeah, I need to look at these bubble hockey tables? 11 o'clock, and you saw I sent a text uh, to Bruns, who is big, who is really a big supporter of me getting a bubble hockey table, so you can kind come of the over. driver of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's basically it's selfish motives by him. We can say that since he probably won't hear this, but that yeah. seems to be what it is. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that he would agree that he's largely looking out for himself in this bubble hockey table scheme that he's put together at this point. But I think I've I found this. Uh, guide for buying bubble hockey tables and the guy read the first line it says welcome to the most complete bubble hockey guide on the internet this guy wrote yeah. i just love that some guy is like throwing that in other people's face you know i'm getting yeah. choked up talking about it it gets so emotional well i mean <coughs> if you're going to take the time to put together the most complete guide you might mm-hmm. as well advertise it right away in the right. first sentence of the guide so people know yeah. that they're not at an incomplete guide they're at the most complete How do you segue? How do you segue out of bubble hockey? Well, I was going to actually segue right there. I was going to say this is the most complete Nebraska podcast that you're going to find in the market. Oh. So we're, you know, we understand where that bubble hockey guy is at. We know what it's like to be the most complete at something. And and we're going to continue to show it today as we get into a conversation about Nebraska graduate transfer wide receiver, (laughs) Canaway Noah, who joined the team on Sunday, on Mother's Day, after taking an official visit Thursday through Saturday, he was out here. Nebraska has been tracking graduate transfer wide receivers basically since January. This is the first one that I know of that they've hosted. They might have had people in quietly, but I don't believe that to be the case. This is a guy that I think they really honed in on. They really 
probably saw someone that fits what they want, fits culturally. You have the connection with him at Cal, Tony Tuioti, Nebraska's new defensive line coach, also at Cal, so there's a little bit of a crossover there, which actually leads me to a question. At what point do I have to stop referring to him as the new defensive line coach? Can he still be the new coach all the way into the season? Is yeah, that fair? through the first year, that's allowed. Okay, but after that, it's over. Yeah, second season, no way. All right, I, I just need to know the rules on that because I feel myself saying it every single time he comes up. But. No, I think especially since he's the only new guy, right. it, uh, it works for a year. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad that we have uh, hard and fast rules on that. But, Brian, when you saw the news, and it was kind of interesting how this came out. I mean, he, he basically put it on Instagram. A couple cow vlogs picked it up. Nobody around the Nebraska market had it for several hours. And then it all just came out uh, sometime around 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday that, lo and behold, Nebraska had picked up a wide receiver that has, you know, I think 1,200 career receiving yards, six touchdowns, had a 72 reception season, I believe, with mm-hmm. 72 or 70, uh, 700 yards, can't talk. Yeah, 788. In 2017. So this is a guy that's had some good production. And really, in my opinion, helps fill a little bit of a hole in Nebraska's roster. Yeah, well, let's just start with that number 788, which he had in 2017. I looked it up, and there's only eight Husker players who have ever had that many yards in a season. So um, he's kind of in rarefied air as far as players who have come through this program. Spielman obviously has done it. But the thing I like is... It, it, these feel like safe bets Nebraska is taking with the old transfer portal these days. I mean, uh, Noah's a guy who's done it. It's on his resume. The, the success is on film. Um, Darian Daniels has done it. And so you know kind of what you're getting. Sometimes, I mean, how many names are there? 3,000 names in the portal these, these days? And, you know, some of these guys haven't done a darn thing in their college careers, and it's just based off of hope and uh, prayers that they're going to suddenly turn into something here at least you feel like okay you, you kind of know what you're getting because it, it's been done by for a couple of years by each of these players yeah I, i'm going to be really fascinated how quickly he can put himself in position where adrian martinez kind of trusts him can rely on him you get the feel that when you watch highlights of this guy when you you talk to people about him He's not going to necessarily take the top off the defense. He's not going to extend anything super long down the field, but he could be a really good possession guy on third down. He could be a guy that helps you move the chains. He'd be someone that sits underneath the defense uh, and and works against the middle of the field. I mean, I, I think that Stanley Morgan, for you know as many of the great catches as you can think of where he had the big bomb against Ohio State, where he came through in that regard, where he gets loose deep, he was really good at working the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. He was really good in those crossing route situations where he could catch it and run. He was good as a post uh, receiver. So, I mean, if Noah can replace that kind of aspect of it in Stanley Morgan, and not necessarily the full production, I don't expect him to be a 1,000-yard receiver, but the big thing to me is can Nebraska have a guy that steps up where Adrian Martinez is as comfortable with him as he was Stanley Morgan? I mean, that was his guy. Mm-hmm. Even J.D. Spielman took a little bit of a backseat to Stanley Morgan at times. When Nebraska needed a play, it felt like that's kind of the guy that they would go to more often than not. You think he had that big catch against Michigan State, against Ohio State. Uh, he had some catches in other games that were important. 
Um, so you, you got to be able to replace that. And the good thing is, I think Spielman can play any of the positions. Yeah. I think it, he know he knows them all, and so that that really gives you some flexibility. Where you know if if a, if a new guy has a certain strength in the slot or wherever you want to put him, um, I think Spielman can work with that. You, he you will he can you can find ways to use him all over the field. Um, so J.D. Spielman and his experience helps this move because he knows so much and at this point should be able to do anything that's asked of him. So that's a big deal. And I also I like bridge players. I like guys who, and I'm not talking about the like old 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 men sitting at a cafe playing bridge. Yeah, no. If, t- if you're gonna go from that to cribbage to yeah yeah, I'm we already got into bubble hockey and probably bored people, so I won't go into bridge talk. But I do like the guys who serve as a as a walking bridge for some of these young players. In this case, like Darian Chase, Demarion Houston, uh, Jamie Nance. You'd still love to see them progress, and if at least one of them get on the field, and heck, maybe they'll be stars this year. I don't know. Maybe one of them will be. Uh, but I think this takes a little heat off them in the fact that you feel like you've got a veteran guy who can take some snaps while they, they grow kind of naturally at their position. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you didn't want to bring it up, but now I'm kind of curious. Taking away poker, what would be your favorite card game? Uh, you know, something embarrassing, I don't know how to play poker. Never played really? it in my life. That is a sort of amazing fact. Never played it in my life. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I think it's embarrassing. It's, it's a little bit, yeah. Well, okay. it's a little bit. There's been a few cases where people have been like, like wanted to play, and I've just been like, ah, I don't think so, you know, kind of. <laughs> not for me, not yeah, for I, me. Yeah, I change the subject to something else, you know. Yeah. Like, but so then, like, do you have any other card games that you actually, not you know, regularly, but that you enjoy? You played spades, hearts, any of no, that? No, no, not at all. Just out on cards entirely. Yeah, solitaire. Pre- pretty much. Can't shuffle the deck. I've just never. <laughs> I've never bothered. When people ask me to shuffle the deck, I just take like a stack and kind of oh place them together in different four or five times, and that's called shuffling. That's amazing. You're yeah. just not a cards guy at all. No. And I even have now a setup where it's sitting at a round table, which would be good, I think, for playing some poker. Yeah. But, or blackjack. Yeah, I know blackjack. Well, I, I do like blackjack. All right. Well, that's, uh, we'll count that. We'll, we'll count <laughs> most that. Right? El- most elementary card game you can find. <laughs> Brian Christopherson here for Blackjack. So let's. Uh, one of the things we're going to do over the next, oh, I don't know, nine weeks as we're leading up to Nebraska football coming back, we can go through some of the positions on the team. I, we might as well just stick with wide receiver. We've gotten into it a little bit. You look at that group. You mentioned you think Spielman can play any of the spots. How valuable is that if it allows Wandale Robinson to be able to get on the field at the same time? Uh, incredibly, and I, I fully expect if Wandale is healthy for him to have a really big role. I mean, I don't even think the coaches tried to hide that they want him to have a big role this during the spring. They kind of talked about it, um, and that's one thing I really love about this staff. They're not afraid to place expectations on a player. They don't, and I actually think that's good. I think it kind of challenges the player. Like, the, for instance, the way. Scott Frost talks about Adrian Martinez and says, I think he can be the best quarterback that came through this program. I like that. I mean, it, it says this is the bar. We are not putting it down, you know, halfway off the ground. We're putting it way up here. Let's go hit it. 
and I think they'll do the same thing with Wandell Robinson, and I think a guy like that thrives off that. He's he's a guy who's used to big challenges and trying to meet them, and if you give him something minuscule, it's it's uh, that that's not going to excite him. He wants he wants to go for everything. Yeah, I I mean I know I've long kind of been the the person who didn't want a whole lot of discussion about you know Wandale and Rondale Moore and and all of that because I thought it was unfair to the kid but you just you look at how Nebraska handled Adrian Martinez and Maurice Washington and it's as you say it's fairly obvious if they like someone they don't dance around it I mean they they talk about it they talk about the player his potential what they see from him and I I think that that is as you say a good thing because it creates that sort of challenge it creates in Wandale Robinson's mind, like, I got to live up to these expectations. And that's not someone I think is overly worried about being motivated. Uh, but I, I do think that that's good for Nebraska in general. Um, and so you look at these other wide receivers, that's where you kind of need, you know, the Andre Hunts and Mike Williams and Jaron Woodyard and J.B. on McQuitty to kind of pick themselves up a little bit because I don't think they had a particularly good spring if you listen to Troy Walters talk about it. Nobody was standing out in the spring game, so to speak. Uh, so if they're going to be involved in this thing, if they're going to join what I think is kind of a clear-cut group of the four above in terms of you have J.D. Spielman, you have Wandale Robinson, Cade Warner, and then you had Canaway Noah, uh, you know, I'll be curious if Jaron Woodyard, who's had a nice spring in terms of the track, I thought he actually – was the guy that was talked about maybe the most positively of the wide receivers. You know, who among that group do you think can emerge and be someone, not necessarily a huge factor, but a consistent player this fall? I think Woodyard is probably where you start. There was a lot of Andre Hunt talk, but I think it is all based off the idea that he's still got four years, so mm-hmm. there's he's kind of building slowly to it. It's now or never for Woodyard and Williams. I mean, either you're going to play or you're... I think McQuitty, too. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, what I like is that I think it was nine practices in, Troy Walters had that time up front in front of the media where he was just blunt as heck about the situation and said he had talked to guys that day and said, look, some of you guys have been here a while. You haven't done it yet. You got to do it now because if you don't, we're going to have to move on. And we're gonna. he said we're going to have to find a grad transfer. So piece it together. You get you get this Noah news last week. I think it uh, I think it tells you everything about the spring. I mean, maybe some guys made some steps, but I don't think enough did, or were consistent enough that they felt like we're good with what we got. And maybe if they had, they don't have to make this move, or they don't even think about it. But uh, I th- I think the Noah move shows you where where they thought some of those guys were at. So um, I think it's been a little bit of a concerned position. Uh, for Nebraska I also think it could be a position by late September where we're saying why were we worried about it if like Noah is really good and Spielman is being Spielman and Cade Warner's solid you know I think they can work with that do we have and I I keep forgetting about them and then I think about them and then I remember I don't exactly know how they're going to use them do we have an indication as to what Miles Jones is going to do in 2019 well I I think he's going to be more of a in the receiver part first off. Uh, he, but I beyond that, no, I don't know. I, I think I see him as sort of uh, in that Wandale role, but someone's going to take the the top spot there, and someone's going to. 
probably have to sacrifice some reps. And I don't know exactly where Miles Jones fits in in the equation. It's not like his name came up a ton from coaches during the spring, but I don't, I don't think he had a bad spring necessarily. Right. Like, it, I think his biggest thing has been health. Like yeah. he just. He just needs to consistently stay healthy, and there's a few of those guys you could go on the roster. I mean, JoJo Doman on defense has been one of those guys. Like, can we just see him healthy for a full year, and then you get a real idea of what he can be? I think the same thing with Miles Jones. So um, I definitely don't sleep on him, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, if he makes a little run in fall camp and puts himself in the mix. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk about Nebraska's just ridiculous run in basketball in terms of commitments we'll try to remember all of the five people that they've basically added since the last podcast uh break down a little bit of what nebraska is getting there and how quickly fred hoiberg has turned over the roster Well, Nebraska basketball has been extremely busy recently in terms of landing commitments the Huskers have added five players since we last spoke uh, last week, I believe, Wednesday. And so, Brian, I mean, we'll run through these real quickly. You have Shamil Stevenson, the Nevada transfer. You have Yvonne Wadryogo, the nice. French teenager. You have Kevin Cross, the Arkansas teenager. Derek Walker, a Tennessee transfer who likely has to sit out a year. And then, late yesterday... Samari Curtis, yeah, Mr. Like Basketball in Ohio. I think he's the one that uh, people are maybe most impressed by in terms of the additions. But what do you make of how quickly Fred Hoiberg has turned things with Nebraska basketball? Well, we've never seen anything like it. Some of it is necessity, but even so, I if you had said a month ago they're going to have the roster basically all filled out, uh, which they are right now, right? They're at their scholarship. They're one over their scholarships, yeah. but Roby would knock it to even if he goes to the NBA like we think he will. Um, so to be in this position where you feel like, wow, they got an actual team over there and they're going to put something on the floor that uh, not only can they put five guys on the floor, which is nice, as opposed to only playing with three, um, I, th- I think that they, uh, they could be – competitive like uh, I mean he uh, Fred Hoiberg has has made a roster that they're all big too like every guard he's got is like 6'4 6'6 got a lot of 6'7 wing guys and they all can shoot it a little bit like even Kevin Cross uh who's you know more you think more of your power forward or whatever 6'8 guy bigger guy um he has a nice mid-range game and has worked hard on his three-point shot. So I think that's just part of the deal with Fred Hoiberg. you got to be able to shoot it some or else you're not going to be picked up by him. Yeah, the Kevin Cross thing is interesting because I spoke to him the day after his commitment and I made the mistake of referring to him as a big man. And he very quickly said, no, I'm not a big man. I can play from outside too. Mm. And so that kind of mentality, uh, Nebraska's going to need him to be big in terms of rebounding and, and defending. Uh, but he very much views himself as a stretch four. He views himself as somebody who can shoot from you know anywhere on the court. And I think that that's what Hoiberg really wants to kind of cultivate. Now you look at Derek Walker, who, again, barring some sort of waiver from the NCAA, likely to have to sit out a year. That's a guy from Tennessee that's very much a, a front court player that plays around the rim, 
is a rim protector. He can go up and get rebounds. He's got a wide body. He can move people out of the way. And he can finish around the rim. I think his shooting percentage was in the 700s. I mean, because he didn't shoot that much. And when he did, it was in and close, and he made it. And those guys are valuable, too. I wish that he was immediately eligible for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. It would make me actually feel a lot better about what they have assembled in terms of playing in the Big Ten because I just think going in with uh, Wade Ogo and Cross as your two guys over six foot seven that actually are going to play in the paint is going to be pretty tough. I, I really think, you know, Yvonne, uh, the French teenager, has a ton of upside, but it's going to be a pretty difficult transition for him initially. I mean, you're talking about a kid that's 17 years old, reclassifies to play into this, this uh, you know, upcoming season. He was in the NBA draft uh, until, you know, I think he decided he wasn't likely to be taken, and so he now chooses to come to Nebraska there's a lot of excitement about him. I think it's going to take him a little while, but uh, these guys that they've pulled together, you got three front court players. You got somebody like Shamil Stevenson, who's six six, but could play as a stretch four if you needed. Uh, he's pretty interesting from Nevada. Again, a situation where you know you hope that he can get the waiver because he's got the opportunity to to you know I think help Nebraska right away. And with Eric Musselman going to Arkansas, uh, there's just Really, some interesting guys. I know you said right away, Curtis, the one that, that stands out to you the most. Why is that? Well, just his numbers. I mean, he averaged 34.5 points a game last season. I think he averaged more than 30 as a junior in high school, had more than 2,000 points in his career. And also, look look who recruited him. It's I mean, good coaches. Whatever you think of Mick Cronin at UCLA, he's established coach who... Uh, won a lot of games. Yeah, did it. Did it well at Cincinnati, and uh, that's why he left Cincinnati. Cronin left on him, and so he wanted to explore his options. And before that, he had actually committed to Xavier, and uh, Chris Mack was coaching there. And then he goes to Louisville, and Chris Mack, I think, is thought of as one of the better coaches in college basketball. So you're talking about a pretty good group of guys who are coaching who thought this guy is the real deal, you know, Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio, had a bunch of 40-plus games last year. Uh, I just, it's just, there's a lot of guys on the, that they've signed up um, who have who have put up big numbers. And I, I always go back to, when I was a kid, I watched Alvin Mitchell at Omaha Burke play. I used to watch him all the time. And he was a stud, like, in Nebraska. And I thought, man, he's going to be an amazing D1 player because I, like, grew up watching him. And then he went to Nebraska. He was fine. He wasn't great. He went to Cincinnati or something after that. Had an okay college career, but it wasn't stellar. And that showed me when I was a kid, like, how freaking good you got to be in high school to make a difference at this level. Because Alvin Mitchell was a freaking stud at Burt. And ever, I've never forgotten that. And so when sometimes I see some of these kids in the just kind of pedestrian numbers that are attached to him in high school. I'm like, how is that going to translate, you know, at the next level? Well, there's a bunch of guys on this group who they've got the numbers that just jump out at you, and you say, well, it's not a guarantee, but at least at least they've shown they can do it at the at the lower level. Yeah, and I, I like how they've kind of assembled things. I mean, you don't have your traditional giant post player, but you've got a lot of options in the wing. Uh, you know, guys that are going to be eligible to play right away. You have Curtis, you have Green, you have Mack. You have, uh, you know, uh, Cheatham. Yep. You, you have Kavas. 
you have all of these guys, Gakola Rope, who never gets mentioned, but I, I'm very curious. I think I don't think he's going to be a great offensive player by any means, but I think he's someone that can help in terms of can get you rebounds, can play defense. Uh, he's a very good athlete. I'm going to be very curious, you know, what his career looks like under Hoiberg and potentially in this offense. So uh, they've, they've assembled a really interesting crew, and now it's just going to be – how quickly can they come together? How quickly can mm-hmm. they learn to play together? How quickly can they adjust every one of these guys to playing in a Power Five conference when that starts to happen in, in you know December? Banton is an interesting kid too. Yeah, from Western Kentucky. I mean, he the was, two sit out guys, I think, I mean, Walker and Banton, they're pretty interesting players. He, he was one of the top top recruits, you know, um, a year or so ago. Uh, so. We'll see how many of these guys. It's, let's see, it's Banton, Stevenson, and Walker who aren't eligible. Stevenson, I think, will get the I would, waiver. I would think so. And all of them can. Nowadays, you never know. Like everybody right. can apply, and you see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> There's we, no no rhyme or reason right. to it. So. Which is just infuriating to me as yeah. someone who wants, you know, sort of some kind of semblance of rules as to why <laughs> things work. In regards to transfers. It's just like the end of Animal House now, where they're just chaos. Yeah. And you're like, uh, what's his name? Kevin Bacon out there trying to stop it all. All is well. <laughs> yeah. Remain calm. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you think of me more as Kevin Bacon than Nita Meyer. So, <laughs> uh, whose own troops, you know, mutiny on him during Vietnam. Who so. would have thought we would have worked our way to Animal House talk? It's such a great movie. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it really resonates in all all sorts of ways even now but you look at this roster you look at how quickly they've they've kind of flipped this thing i i don't want to put words in your mouth but i'd be shocked if you also weren't surprised by i mean what 11 different people in 33 days like that's really impressive yeah and uh not only that but just just the guys that they got to recommit you know, Jervé Green's going to be huge to this whole thing. I mean, he was such a scorer at the junior college level. And I know he was across the state, so you think, well, that's a slam dunk. But that's a guy who had some options on the Kansas. table. And uh, for Hoiberg to go lock that down, um, we we shouldn't lose sight of that. Like, to, he keeping those guys intact. And that, that kind of gave him a floor to start building off of where – you felt some comfort right off the bat when you found out, okay, Green's sticking in this deal. They got at least some score out there. Now what can they build? And it was it's just been amazing. Like week after week, it's like, oh, this guy, um, you know, then there's two other guys you hear about, and it, it just hasn't stopped. And uh, he's got a, he's got a good group of uh, coaches. You know, everybody knows about Coach A as being a, the recruiter he brought with him. Uh, but I think Armand Gates is a good recruiter too and takes a lot of pride in that. So he's got some bulldogs that, that are going to go after it for him. What it does is it makes me really curious. I mean, you, you have to flip the house, right? And so you, you, you gut everything, which essentially they did, and you start with the framework and they put it all together. What happens now when you're looking at the 2020 class or 2021 and they actually get some time that they get to build some relationships and they get to invest in it, and these kids are going to see what Nebraska basketball is supposed to look like. You're going to combine the great facilities of the PBA and the Hendricks with, you know, what I think mm-hmm. is going to be a fun style to play with, combined with Matt Abdelmassif and Armin Gates and, and some of their ability to recruit. So, I mean, if 
if you're excited now by how they've done this, I have to think you're going to be even more excited if they get it off the ground because it seems like they have a really good system for how they want to put this together. Yeah. And here's what's nice. You know, let's say let's say they go like 14 and 17 in year one or something like that. Um, you get this trial year to figure out, okay, of these new additions, who really works? You know, like who, who fits the bill, who doesn't? And then also they've done a pretty good job spreading out the classes. Yep. Like, I mean, it's not just all like underclassmen in this deal. So it's not like a situation where you got to think like, okay, how do we get rid of this guy? Um, I mean, I'm just speaking candidly. <laughs> that's what it's become, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to dance around it. I mean, that's what it is. Like, this, this guy's not going to work, and, and what do you do? You've got some seniors and stuff where, you know, they can give you a good year, um, or some juniors will give you a couple years, and then, you know, you fill their spots in a year or so and move on. So I, I think it's that's a big part of it that shouldn't be lost is the way they've uh, kind of separated the classes and uh, they can work with that. All right. Well, let's shift real quickly here for the last couple of minutes. Nebraska baseball went two and one against Arizona State over the weekend. Big two wins there. They're now back in most of the projections for the NCAA tournament, largely as a three seed. Some places maybe as a two. They've got three big games against Michigan this weekend. Brian, I know you'll be covering a few of them. I know you've covered the team a little bit this season. Do you have any expectations? For, for this weekend at all? Well, I wouldn't say expectations, but just like what needs to happen. Yes. I, I think they need to win two. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy by any standard. Uh, Michigan's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's look at the standings here. Michigan's, you know, Michigan's at the top. Nebraska is two and a half out. So if they swept Michigan, they'd move ahead of Michigan. They'd have to sweep them. Um, it's going to be tough to win it. Indiana is only a game ahead, but Indiana's playing Rutgers, I believe. Yeah, and so they have an opportunity to stack some yeah. wins. So I th- I think Nebraska could wreck it for Michigan and maybe give Indiana a shot at it uh, to win it if Indiana sweeps Rutgers. But I think Nebraska's playing for maybe second or third in the league. Uh, but all said, after the little swoon, I think there's a jolt like in their step over there right now, but you know, because they they got that series win over Arizona State. It pro- they were probably on the outside looking in. Now that now I think they're just hanging on, and I think they feel like let's win a series, do well in Omaha, and we're going to be in this tournament. Yeah, I think it's big that it's at home. I think it's big that it's coming off of that Arizona State success. Arizona State doesn't have great pitching, uh, but you know Nebraska went out and they hit a little bit on Sunday. Alex Henwood and. Jackson Hallmark came through, two guys in the bottom of your order. Uh, I think Nebraska has repeatedly run into situations where they just aren't getting enough hitting one through nine. I mean, you have a couple guys come through, and you need more than just Aaron Polinski to win baseball games. you got to have other guys in your lineup. And so when Jackson Hallmark you know, hits a big three-run home run, that's a huge lift for that offense. When Reese Edens is able to survive through two rough innings, in the first and the second, and turns it around, puts up you know four more scoreless innings. That's huge for that team. And so I, I think that they've got some confidence. I think they could really use a boost on Friday if they could just get Matt Waldron to pitch as he has. Or Well, I said Friday. They're, it's a Thursday through Saturday series, so they're actually playing in Thursday tonight. 
so Thursday through Saturday. The, if Waldron comes out and he pitches how he has early in the year and not so much how he had the last couple of weeks, you can win that Friday game. That's huge. I mean, I, I really think – I keep saying Friday. You win that first game, it's going to be big for him. So we'll, we'll see what they're able to put together. I expect them to win at least one. Uh, I think they, because it's at home, have a good shot at winning two. Uh, I think Erstad likes this team and was a little miffed at how things had gone early in May at Northwestern, at Iowa. Uh, he certainly felt good about that Arizona State win, but you gotta you got to make it hold up. I mean, you, you go win those two. If you go and drop three here to Michigan, you basically just piddled away any of the momentum you put together. Yeah, pressure's on. I mean, it was la- it was as loud as it gets about baseball around here last week, and I think we've kind of been defense attorneys for Darren Erstad, uh, and we won't get all into that. Uh, but I do think sometimes you gotta you got to step back and say, this was a team that was picked lower in the Big Ten this year. It's a young team. They are in position still at this very moment going into this weekend to make this a successful season by all accounts as to how we thought going into the year. And you sometimes you got to get away from it and go back to what were you thinking three months or four months ago about this team. And if you had said standing here the last weekend of the season, go win a series the final weekend, do well in Omaha, you're in the tournament, a lot of people would have said that was a pretty good year going into it. Yeah. So it's right there in front of them. You just gotta you gotta do it now. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll know next week when we're doing this podcast. You know where they're playing, uh, who they're playing. I guess in Omaha, they're in the Big Ten tournament for sure. We'll know you know where they put themselves in the the Big Ten standings. So we'll have all of that to discuss next week. We'll see if Nebraska basketball adds another nine people between <laughs> now and the the next podcast. We'll see if Nebraska football adds somebody. Maybe we'll talk some recruiting next week on the uh, the Husker 24-7 podcast. But as always, be sure to check out Husker247.com. Tons of great content. We'll have some good stuff from Brandon Huffman, Jackson Hanna, uh, some other people this weekend. Uh, hopefully we'll have a story on Ralph Brown talking about his recruitment from 1993 oh, wow. and uh, what, what happened there and all of the excitement surrounding that. And, uh, you know, Brian, I'm sure you've got some things that you're working on. No, I'm on not going to do anything. No. Okay, well, Brian's <laughs> going to cover baseball, so he'll certainly be doing some things. But uh, as always, you can check all of that out at Husker247.com.